This week on Geek Explained, Kingdom Hearts Month is officially over. So where do we go next? Welcome back to Geek Explain, the podcast for comics, film, TV, and more. You name it, we Geek Explain it. I'm your host, Eric Zana, and today's episode is our first episode post Kingdom Hearts Month. Uh, I am currently about neck deep in Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, I've been loving the game so far. I really have. I've been enjoying it. It's. I explained it to somebody. I uh, while playing it, it feels like it feels like coming home. I've been really loving the game, really having a lot of fun with it, but uh, it's kind of time to get back to business. So we are heading back into some of our regular content. If you jumped on with us during Kingdom Hearts Month or during our uh, coverage of the rest of the series during the Kingdom Hearts Retrospective, uh, you'll be finding some new content for you guys and gals. And uh, this is going to be a lot more of um, covering more... I guess, a uh, wider net for uh, geek culture, whether it be uh, comics, whether it be uh, film, the whole deal. So this week, before we jump back into like deep dives onto other content, I just kind of wanted to do a, uh, a catch-up episode. So kind of recapping stuff that I missed during Kingdom Hearts Month that I may have like mentioned offhand but didn't really get to... Uh, put some real time into so i've got uh i've got three categories here i've got uh we're talking trailers we're talking movies and tv and we're talking general news following that so first off just wanted to kick off the uh the trailer news with uh that endgame trailer so we've had two endgame trailers so far neither of which really tells us anything um the first trailer was very like hey this is the end this is where we're going so that was interesting and then we got a uh, a super bowl spot so the super bowl spot i think almost tells us like maybe just as much if not less than the first trailer did but um it's looking real interesting i'm really kind of confused about exactly uh what the goal is here and i guess in that respect i should be kind of thankful because i didn't really want a whole lot of uh story spoilers for the game the game the movie so i'm not um i'm not complaining so much as i'm confused by their uh their marketing strategy because i mean it's not going to take a whole lot to get people into the theater to see this movie so um overall just from what i've seen from the trailers i'm really interested i'm really interested in seeing where they go and how they decide to get to that end point in the film um so yeah i'm super hyped and Jumping off that, we also got our very first trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, there's a lot going on in this trailer. Um, it almost tells you... I think it's almost... It's the tale of two trailers. Because um, you really get a lot in this first Spider-Man trailer. They're going to Europe. Um, they're seemingly alone. You hear Happy Hogan tell... 
Spider-Man, like, we're alone here, so I'm not sure exactly what he is referencing. Uh, there's also a weird moment where it's kind of teasing a, uh, like, some kind of weird romance between Aunt May and uh, Happy. So I'm weirded out by that, but we'll see where that goes. Uh, we also got to see all three of the suits that uh, Spidey is going to be rocking in this new film. Of course, the current uh, Stark suit that he's had for the last couple of movies, we also get to see a kind of Spider-Man noir-inspired stealth suit, as well as the red and black suit that I'm not sure exactly how he's going to get, but it looks killer. I'm really excited to see that suit. I've always been a big fan of the red and black look for him. I know red and blue is kind of classic and uh, the more well-known color scheme for Spidey, but I've always been a big fan of the red and black. Um, we also get to see a little bit of Mysterio, and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is looking extremely comics accurate, which I was kind of surprised about, but I'm really, really interested in seeing how they uh, how they handled the storyline. Uh, it's kind of seeming like they might be leaning into his original story back in the Ditko era, where he uh, kind of props himself up in front of the masses as some kind of hero by instigating these problems and then rescuing people from them uh so i'm interested i'm interested to see how they do that how they play that off especially now that we've kind of already seen that story when it comes to superhero films with the first incredibles uh, if you have seen that film that might sound familiar with uh syndrome that was kind of his plan as well but overall i'm really excited to see it we've also been getting a couple uh, trailers for Captain Marvel. Uh, we got another Super Bowl spot for uh, Captain Marvel, and I'm I don't know. Uh, I'm really interested in the film, but I'm waiting for it to really grab me. I'm waiting for it to really kind of make itself stand out, which is kind of weird, I guess, because we are introducing so many new concepts. Um, the idea of the Star Force, the uh, the Skrulls. We're talking the first like female-led Marvel superhero movie. Um, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really wanting at this stage of the game when we're heading into like Phase Four and stuff like that. I'm really looking for something to, I guess, kind of uh, make itself stand out from the rest of the Marvel films that have come before it. But I'm still really interested. The effects look incredible. I'm really still enjoying Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. I think she's going to do a great job with that. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we also, on the DC side, got a couple uh, different trailers. We got the trailer, or I guess kind of a first look at the Birds of Prey film. Now, the Birds of Prey is being uh, kind of... Uh, produced and starring uh, Margot Robbie, who is inserting her Harley Quinn character into the Birds of Prey. I think it's really weird that they didn't go the Gotham City Sirens route because the Gotham City Sirens already like includes Harley Quinn, whereas the Birds of Prey have never really been part of that. Our neighbor's dog is a big Gotham City Sirens fan. So I think it's strange that they went the Birds of Prey route because that team has never really been, I guess, identified with Harley Quinn. But nonetheless, this is the movie we're getting. Um, Harley Quinn is going to be joined by Huntress, 
Black Canary, as well as uh, Renee Montoya. We're getting, we're not getting the classic uh, Barbara Gordon in this, which I think is really strange. Uh, we are being introduced to Cassandra Kane, which I'm really excited about. And the villain is one Ewan McGregor, who's going to be playing Black Mask. Uh, he looks really weird in this first look. I hope that's not like his overall look or his final look. Um, he just, he looks like, I don't know, he, he looks like he shops in the same uh, stores or whatever that uh, Jared Leto's Joker does, and I don't, I'm not a fan of that. But uh, Black Canary looks really good. Uh, I believe that's... Um, oh, I can't remember her name. I think it's Journey Smollett. I think she looks really good. Um, Huntress, from like the shadowy stuff that we've seen of her, looks good as well. Um, Harley Quinn looks a little off. I don't know if it's because of the new hair or the, uh, the outfit change, but Margot Robbie doesn't look as comfortable as she was in like suicide squad so i'm in, i'm just i'm overall i'm interested to see where this really goes uh we also got our first look kind of trailer for doom patrol which is the next uh live action series coming out of the dc universe app or however it is um it looks interesting it's weird it's kind of off the beaten path which i think is what they're going for um uh, it's got all the classic Doom Patrol characters, though it is subbing out Beast Boy for Cyborg. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm really interested in it. I'm interested to see them kind of tackle one of the weirder aspects of the DC Universe. So, uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see on that. I do like the casting choices. Uh, I think everybody looks great. The, the, uh, the voiceover work that... Uh, Brendan Fraser is doing for Robot Man sounds good, and um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And they have uh, I think it's Timothy Dalton, uh, kind of playing essentially like if you're not familiar with Doom Patrol, he's essentially playing the Professor X character. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We also got the first kind of sneak peek look at a uh, new animated. DC film, that being Justice League versus the Fatal Five. Uh, Fatal Five is a classic Legion of Superheroes villain uh, group, and I'm really excited. I uh, It's a return to the uh, Timiverse, the Bruce Timm uh, DCAU style. I don't know if it's specifically going to be part of the canon of that uh, original kind of animated universe, but... Um, there's no arguing with uh, the appeal of the art style, bringing back the original uh, voice actors to do uh, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and really introducing kind of a new story. Uh, they're also introducing a few fan-favorite uh, DC characters, uh, that being Miss Martian, as well as uh, the newest Green Lantern, Jessica Cruz. So I'm interested. I'm really interested. DC animation has been firing on all cylinders recently. And, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely something that you're going to want to check out. I also, I recently, I actually discovered this today. Um, I saw a trailer, and uh, we'll be touching on a couple aspects of this later on. But uh, I saw a trailer for a kind of uh, lower-budget superhero horror film 
The film is called Brightburn. Now, uh, this film is being, I believe, written and directed by uh, James Gunn, who has been all over the news uh, for the past, like, eight to ten months just because of, like, the risque tweets that he put out, like, over a decade ago. Um, the Disney stuff, getting fired from Disney, fired from Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and all that stuff. And it looks like this is kind of what he's been working on either before or since then. And this is a really interesting trailer. It's basically doing a uh, kind of horror... Uh, a superhero horror take on the classic Superman story. So it looks like this film is taking place in a small town, not unlike Smallville. Uh, a kind couple takes in this uh, alien baby that crash lands on Earth, and we kind of get to see what happens when an impressionable young Clark Kent uh, decides to be a villain. So it's not strictly like, hey, this is an Elseworlds story on what happens when Clark Kent goes evil. But it's taking a lot of those uh, aspects, a lot of those story beats, the small town, the crash landing of a baby on a farm, and kind of turning the, uh, the foundations of it on its head. It looks really great. The... Uh, just from the trailer, the cinematography looks killer. Acting is great. Um, Elizabeth Banks seems to be kind of taking the lead as our uh, Ma Kent character. And I'm just, I'm really interested in seeing this. Because I'm always interested in that story. As a huge Superman fan, I'm always interested in people's different interpretations of that story. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. If you haven't watched the trailer, go on YouTube, check it out. It looks really cool, and I'm really interested to see... Uh, exactly where this goes and get more information on it but jumping from trailers to coverage of movies and t and tv uh first thing i gotta lead in since we're talking about dc uh i gotta lead in with aquaman aquaman uh recently passed the one billion mark uh it is the highest grossing dc film of all time surpassing uh Justice League, Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, uh, even surpassing the Nolan films. Aquaman has been a smash hit at the box office. And I I couldn't, honestly, I couldn't tell you exactly why that is. Um, because I'll be completely honest with you, I still haven't seen it. Uh, I am looking forward to catching it maybe on a red box or something like that but i haven't seen it yet and i've heard it's very pretty i've heard it's very pretty um that it kind of got a snub for the uh oscar and golden globes nomination for uh best visual effects but i am a little surprised i guess would be the word because this isn't really the film that i thought would be the quote-unquote savior of the dceu um and it still might not be uh we're looking at uh going forward seeing a lot of more standalone films we're getting a little bit into that uh in the news portion but yeah it's um it's strange <laughs> um i am all four different interpretations of the character i'm all for uh, exploring all different corners of the dc mythology to uh kind of bring that into more mainstream but i'll be honest i didn't think that aquaman was going to do this well so hat tip to them hat tip to uh 
Jason Momoa, Amber Heard, James Wan especially for pulling that all together. And uh, I'm interested to see where they go from here. We do have Shazam and Wonder Woman 84 up next on the DC docket, as well as the uh, solo Joker film. It's going to be coming out in October. So we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see where this goes. Uh, another DC property, Reign of the Superman, the sequel to uh, The Death of Superman animated film that came out last year, uh, came out. I'm going to be uh, checking that out, and I'll be giving you folks a full review next week for that. I'm really excited to kind of get caught up on it. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things, and I am excited to kind of get the sequel to... Uh, film that I thought was pretty freaking good last year. So this is part two of the story of the Death and Return of Superman. So I'm looking forward to it. And apparently it's been doing very well, getting a lot of good reviews. And within the uh, home release of The Reign of Superman is where we got that first sneak peek for Justice League vs. Fatal Five. So yeah, all thumbs up there. Uh, when it comes to Marvel, they've been dealing with a lot of stuff uh into the spider-verse is uh officially an award-winning animated film uh it took the animated it took the uh, best animated film award from the golden globes and is nominated for an oscar i think it's going to pull out the oscar as well i'm just i'm so happy and i'm so excited for this film to be doing as well as it's doing um I can't tell you how much I enjoyed it. It might have been my favorite film of the entire year last year. Uh, and th that, I can't explain to you, that year was so packed with good films that for this to come right at the end in December and kind of uh, sweep that best, uh, best film away from uh, stuff like Avengers... Um, Black Panther, uh, Deadpool 2 came out last year too, so there's a lot, there's a lot that, uh, that happened so I am extremely happy and extremely proud that this movie has been doing as well as it's doing and uh, I have to thank you guys for um, also helping me out when it comes to this film uh, our review of that episode is our most listened to episode of all time uh, I'm really, really happy and proud of that fact. We're over 500 listens. Uh, that's, uh, I can't even explain how exciting that is for me. Uh, that's the most that we've gotten for any of our, uh, any of our episodes. So I just want to say thank you for making that our most listened to episode of all time. Um, and then... It's just, it's a great film, and it's going to be, apparently there's a lot of uh, talk about spinning off certain characters in the animated uh, series, of course doing sequels, possibly including Spider-Man 2099, which I would love, especially since they cast uh, Oscar Isaac as uh, Miguel O'Hara, which was a completely just perfect casting choice, so big hat tip for that one. Um... But yeah, overall, great stuff from them. Uh, also, in the spider realm, Venom also has crushed the box office for as weird of a film as that has been. I'm looking at the stats now, and it grossed $855 million. It didn't cross the billion-dollar mark, but that is a 
huge amount of money. So um, as weird as that movie was, it did well in uh, the box office, both domestically and internationally. Um, it looks like uh, it's going to be uh, renewed for at least one sequel, if not a full trilogy, uh, just based on the uh, box office as well as... Um, weirdly enough like uh reception to it's been really good as well uh, a lot of people have had the kind of um same feeling that i had on it that it feels like it came out like 15 years too late uh it feels more like closer to uh like brian singer's x-men uh the ben affleck daredevil like that kind of era of superhero movies but i think that gives it a certain charm uh, it's funnier than I thought I it had any right to be. And uh, overall, I it's not a good movie, but uh, I had fun with it, I enjoyed it, and I'm interested to see where they go uh, with further sequels. Um, jumping back to uh, DC for a second, uh, Young Justice also uh, debuted. Season 3, Young Justice Outsiders, has uh, debuted on uh, the DC Universe... Uh, app as well and I am really excited to get into it I'm kind of waiting until all of the episodes are released so I can kind of binge them and uh, from what I've seen just from character designs from reviews from people who have been watching uh, from week to week it's been killer and uh, it's apparently doing really well for itself and I'm excited to jump into it uh, one film that I have already jumped into and I'm very excited to talk about is uh, Dragon Ball Super Broly. Uh, I was so excited when I found out that this movie was coming out. Uh, you, you might remember in the uh, San Diego Comic-Con episode that we did back in the summer that um, it was one of the features at Comic-Con and I was super hyped for it. And the movie ended up really subverting my expectations for it, going in different directions plot-wise that I didn't expect them to go into. And overall, I was really, really impressed. Uh, the animation style was a little bit different than uh, even what we've come to expect on Dragon Ball Super, uh, the show. So I really enjoyed it. I loved the new take on Broly as a character. It made me actually care about him as a character. Uh, instead of more of like a uh, plot device. So I was really, really happy with it. I'm sure that's going to have implications going into the future of Dragon Ball, and I can't be more excited about it. Uh, Legion has also been uh, on my mind as well. Uh, the second season wrapped up last year, and I am still working my way uh, towards getting to it. I'm really excited about it, though, in fact, um, I should be starting it in the next week or so, and I need to because uh, season three is going to be coming out this summer, and apparently the uh, this season is going to be the last season. So I don't know if that's uh, for low ratings, if it was a network thing, or if they had always planned for it to be uh, just three seasons, but I'm still really excited to watch it and to continue the story that was so well-crafted in the first season um and that is oh we also uh don't want to forget about this uh doctor who 
also wrapped up its uh, most recent season with the debut of uh, Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor. Um, they, instead of having a Christmas special like every uh, other Doctor has had throughout all their seasons since the revival, uh, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor actually had a New Year's Day special. Uh, I'm not sure what the reason was for that, but um, either way, uh, it was interesting. The whole season, I can say, was interesting. Uh, it was much more cinematic than the uh, than previous seasons, which I enjoyed. But um, I, th- I felt like something was missing through the, through the overall season. And I'm really hoping that in the next season they kind of hammer out all the issues that they had. And that they can really nail down exactly uh, what they want to say with this Doctor. Because I feel like with every other Doctor uh, that we've seen before, they've always had something to say. They've always had a uh, direct vision with these doctors even if it wasn't apparent at first they've always had that and i haven't seen it yet with uh the 13th doctor so i'm hoping in next season we're going to see more of that we're going to see a more cohesive kind of uh season long storyline instead of the very episodic nature that it was in this season i enjoyed certain episodes other episodes i was kind of more uh ambivalent about but i'm looking forward to seeing what they do next now, we are jumping from uh, movies and film to general news. General news is going to be encompassing all kinds of stuff. Uh, and I want to start off with one of the biggest uh, stories that's come out recently, which is that the Batman solo film that is being held by Matt Reeves officially has a release date. Uh, it's April 2021, which I think is really interesting. And news broke recently that Ben Affleck will not be reprising his role as the Batman in this film. Uh, the film is still titled The Batman for now. Uh, don't know if that's going to change or not. Uh, the rumor is that the Penguin will be the, me- the main villain, which I'm kind of excited about. I'm looking forward to see who they cast for that. Uh, But yeah, we're going to be dealing with an all-new Batman in this film. Uh, They've been talking about younger Batman. Uh, They've been talking about um, someone who is kind of a younger contemporary to kind of tell this inexperienced uh, detective-style Batman. I've always been really fascinated with the detective aspect of Batman, and the fact that Matt Reeves is really wanting to tell a noir-style story I think is really interesting as well. there's been this weird rumor going around recently that DC is looking at Robert Pattinson of uh, Twilight fame to play the new Batman. And at, at this point in time, at the time of this recording, I don't think I am behind that idea right now. Um, you know me, I've been campaigning for John Hamm to be the next Batman for a long time now. But if they are looking for a younger Batman, I don't think Robert Pattinson is the best choice. I think there are better choices that they could uh, pick. Recently, uh, Ben Barnes, who has played prominent roles in both the Punisher TV show as well as Westworld, would make an amazing younger Batman. I would be really interested. He seems interested in the idea as well, if his Twitter is anything uh, anything to go by. 
So I, um, I'm interested in this film. I am really interested in Matt Reeves' take, I think, overall. And I'm interested in who they cast as Penguin almost as much as I am for who they cast as Batman. Uh, it seems like this is kind of building off of the uh, worlds of DC uh, directive that's going through the DC films now. Instead of being part of an interconnected universe, these are all standalone films that occupy different places in the multiverse of the dc films which i think is the smartest way to go and if they end up do crossing over they can explain it away why they don't uh cross over all the time so uh yeah we're gonna see also in batman news uh there is a uh rumor going around right now that warner brothers animation is looking into a batman beyond animated film kind of in the same vein as marvel's into the spider-verse to launch a batman beyond kind of uh similar thing and they seem to be looking for an asian american actor to play terry mcginnis which i think is very interesting as an asian american actor who also does voiceover i'll let that one simmer but uh yeah i think that's awesome i've always been a fan of batman beyond uh i remember just falling in love with that character in that universe that setting uh when i was younger and i would be all for this film uh jumping over to uh back into film uh of the live action kind we officially have a director for the suicide squad sequel which i guess is not going to be a sequel and it is James Gunn. So James Gunn has officially made the jump to director. Uh, originally, I don't remember the name of the director that they had penned for it originally, uh, but he is out. James Gunn was originally brought in just to write the film, but apparently is now going to be writing and directing uh, this film, which is tentatively called The Suicide Squad for now. Um, I think is gonna be different apparently according to reports uh suicide squad is not so much a sequel as much of a relaunch uh it's gonna be new characters new setting new cast and it is apparently going to be kind of a soft reboot for the team uh and apparently they're kind of they brought james Gunn in to give it almost the guardians of the galaxy treatment which I think they have to be really careful about because that's what they tried to do with the first Suicide Squad movie. Basically, hey, let's make our Guardians of the Galaxy. And it did not work out for them. So I hope they've learned from their mistakes and they're not trying to force James Gunn to make the Guardians of the Galaxy just with DC characters. I hope he has a fresh take on it, which I think we have seen from him in everything that he's put out. So... um, yeah, I'm interested. I will have to wait until they put out a cast list for more. Uh, first look kind of like they did with Birds of Prey. So we will see where that goes. Uh, but sticking with James Gunn, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is still looking for a director right now. Um, Chris Pratt on the uh, red carpet for the premiere of Lego Movie 2 has said that um, the movie is going to be made. They're he's looking forward to wrapping up the trilogy that he started with uh james gunn and the rest of the cast uh but we still don't have a director we still don't have a release date it's still indefinitely suspended until a director is found and i think that they just they need to just let james gunn finish this even if he doesn't direct it 
let him because he was already halfway through he had already completed his first draft of the script so like if they don't use the script or they go off somewhere and they use someone else it's not going to feel the same so i i really i hope they do uh there was a funny little uh twitter exchange where a fan uh was pleading with marvel to get the process going and actually recommended a few directors who could take uh james gunn's place those being edgar wright uh lord miller who directed in the spider-verse as well as uh taika watiti and all three of the parties involved uh pretty universally uh said that james gunn would be the best fit for it there was a really funny aspect where um, I think it was Taika Waititi said something along the lines of, I think we really need a uh, new fresh take on it. And I think James Gunn is the one to do that new fresh take on the Guardians of the Galaxy. So everyone, including the cast, including the fans, wants James Gunn back in the driver's seat when it comes to the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. But uh, we're, we are just going to have to see what uh, what's going to happen from there. Um it's kind of a touchy subject because of Disney's whole, uh, their corporate and public image, uh, with all the stuff that went down in the firing of James Gunn in the first place. And Disney is going to have to really, I don't know, tread the line and play it by ear, especially now that the Disney Fox merger is official. Segway. Uh, it effectively or it officially went into effect on january 1st and the overall feeling is that there is uh both good parts and bad parts about this good parts all of the uh fox marvel properties are back uh home back where they belong um bad parts lots of layoffs thousands of jobs that I mean, that's going to happen in a corporate merger, but it sucks for the people who are going to be losing their jobs because of this. Uh, we're also, Disney Plus is going to be kind of uh, its own streaming service that's going to be kind of jumping off of Hulu. Uh, recently, they, uh, I believe it was Bob Iger, did a, uh, he's the CEO at Disney, did a interview where he said that Disney Plus is going to be for more family-friendly content where uh, Hulu will be having a lot of uh, the more adult-oriented stuff. So that is where we might see the release of like New Mutants, which is totally up in the air. It was supposed to, I believe it was supposed to come out this month, but it has been indefinitely pushed back. Uh, every single time it seems like we've got a new release date, it gets pushed back again. So I'm not sure exactly where it's going to land. So uh, yeah, we'll just have to see from there. Um, and I think... Uh, I think it's interesting that they're really looking at um, streaming services because they are they've already released uh, their plans for different uh, different series involving MCU characters, Scarlet Witch, Loki, a buddy cop series with Bucky and uh, Falcon, which I'm the most excited for out of all of them. Um, but I think when it comes to the films we're gonna have to keep a close eye on what properties they bring in uh they have said they uh have doubled down on the idea that deadpool is going to stay rated r which i'm a big fan of because that uh, at least this style of deadpool that ryan reynolds has put together uh i don't think will come off the same and it will be a bit hampered by the uh 
by the PG-13 restraints that it would have to be under. Uh, we saw this with the Once Upon a Deadpool uh, release back in December, which was essentially a PG-13 cut of Deadpool 2, uh, which did okay, but you could tell that a lot of the life was taken out of it because of all of the adult-oriented themes that had to be taken out of the film uh, to get that PG-13 rating. So I'm glad that that's staying the way it is. Uh, I'm interested to see what they do with the Fantastic Four now that they're back in, uh, as well as Galactus, the Silver Surfer. Uh, there's a lot of rumors that Phase 4, the main villain, is going to be Galactus. I think it's a little early for that. Uh, I would be okay with Phase 4 introducing the Fantastic Four and really diving deep into the Skrulls, which are going to be introduced to Captain Marvel. And I am really interested in the X-Men, which comes to our final... Uh, news bit of the week which is that the X-Men are officially going to be part of the MCU and Kevin Feige along with Marvel is looking for a new Wolverine and I think that's real interesting really interesting there's no telling who uh who they're going to be looking for, whether they're going to be looking for someone who is along the same lines as the previous portrayal, Hugh Jackman, tall, uh, leading man style, or if they're going to be looking more for a Wolverine that can be part of an ensemble, uh, which would be more comic accurate, shorter, um, a little bit more gruff, a little bit more rough around the edges. But time will tell, uh, and we will find out and I will be keeping a close eye on that. You can believe it. You can believe me on that. But that is going to do it for uh, this kind of roundup. I wanted to kind of catch up on all of the stuff that I missed while doing Kingdom Hearts Month. And I want to thank you again for uh, all the support through Kingdom Hearts Month. All of our episodes have been doing really well. I've been getting a lot of good feedback. And uh, if you would like to uh, share and giving that feedback, I would really appreciate it. Uh, it helps us out if you could give us reviews. A uh, five-star review on iTunes would be immensely helpful. Uh, really helps us out to get the word out about this podcast. and helps us grow, helps us get better at what we do once we... Uh, really start to get the ball rolling uh we can start getting bigger and better uh which is what this year is going to be all about uh interviews guests new segments and uh i'm really looking forward to it we are coming up on one year one full year of doing this podcast uh it's crazy to me uh when i started out this podcast i didn't know how long it was going to go the fact that we've already made it a year is just it's incredible and i'm a really thankful that you've all stuck with us uh through all of the episodes going all the way back to our very first episode and kind of watching and listening to how the podcast has grown and changed since then uh, i'm really thankful for all of you for sticking around with us uh, and helping me grow as a podcaster it's been a an incredible learning experience and we are just going to keep getting bigger and better but that is going to wrap it up for uh, this week's episode. Make sure to stick around after the jump for this week's Comics Countdown. 
and look forward to that review for uh, Reign of the Supermen coming out next week, as well as more news reviews and commentary on all things geek. But for now, let's jump over to this week's Comics Countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. Down, down, down. This is the segment of the podcast where I let you know what books I'm going to be picking up for New Comic Book Day and the books that I think you should be checking out as well. Uh, we'll be going over the name of the books, typically around five, sometimes more, sometimes less. And we'll also be going over the uh, creative team as well as a brief synopsis. And uh, as always, I will be using my synopses voices for those synopses. Uh, if you have a synopsis voice that you think I should try out for one of these uh, segments, please let me know. Feel free to suggest any. And uh, yeah, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six books for you this week. Uh, this is pretty good. This is a pretty stacked week. If you, I'm not sure if you can hear it. But the, uh, the rain outside is still, oh man, it's still going strong. So um, it's been raining pretty much since last Thursday, I want to say. Um, and it's been just raining right on through. So um, I'm going to go ahead and get through these uh, books. I'm really excited to talk about some of these. And uh, the first book that we are checking out is a book that I'm not sure how to feel about. And that is Old Man Quill number 1. Uh, this is being written by Ethan Sachs with art by Robert Gill and uh, John Tyler Christopher. Um, I'm not sure how to feel about this. They seem to be really expanding the Old Man Logan universe, which I feel is odd seeing as how the Dead Man Logan book is going on right now and it's supposed to be killing him at the end of this. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what this book is about. Um, I feel like the charm of the Old Man Logan universe was that it was very Western and very um, almost grounded with how... Uh, how much it was basically just a road story and even with uh old man hawkeye uh his book i really liked even though it did drag in a couple places um it was very grounded and stuck to its guns and kind of stuck to that spirit that the original old man logan book had uh i don't know how to feel about this kind of expanding out into the the uh cosmic marvel universe but we'll see where that goes uh let's jump into the synopsis here the far-flung saga of the once and future Star-Lord begins. Meet Peter Quill. He used to be Star-Lord, you know, the legendary outlaw. But it's been quite some time since he's gone by that name. Taken over for his father as the Emperor of Spartax, Quill put the life of spacefare and adventure behind him for one of leadership and responsibility. Quill grew up, but things didn't go as planned. Decades have passed, and Peter is haunted by tragedy. Down and out, Quill's existence means nothing, until the former Guardians of the Galaxy drag Peter out of his funk for one last mission. The heist of a lifetime, and Quill's harrowing quest for redemption begins here. So I'm interested. Um, the premise sounds actually kind of interesting. Uh, if you think about it it's a very western inspired uh kind of storyline uh former outlaw settles down quote unquote grow, grows up and then is uh 
reintroduced to his old gang who want to pull off one last job. So I think it's interesting. I'll pick it up. I think you guys should pick it up too, and we'll see where that book goes. Uh, one book that I'm very excited about that I, I can't uh, hide my enthusiasm for is Daredevil Number 1. Uh, this is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cicchetto. Uh This is jumping into a new a brand new uh, comic run for the Devil of Hell's Kitchen. Uh, as you folks know, I'm a huge Chip Zdarsky fan. I've been loving every single book that I've read him on, and I am excited for him to tackle the more uh, street-style uh, Marvel heroes, because he's done great with uh, Peter Quill, who we talked about in the last book. Uh, he's done amazing with Spider-Man. He's pretty much any book that he's touched. Uh, I've really enjoyed Marvel 2 and 1 is a huge, is a great example of him taking characters and really putting a new, uh, kind of breathing new life into them. And I'm excited to see what he does for Daredevil. So we're going to get into the uh, synopsis right here. It's kind of lengthy, uh, so forgive me for going a little bit long on this, but we will jump into that synopsis now. Classified. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, literally any synopsis that I could find about this, all it says is classified. Um, and this book is going to be spinning out of the uh, Man Without Fear miniseries that they just rolled out. Um, also, that, of course, uh, spiraling out of the death of... Uh, Matt Murdock's storyline in the most recent Daredevil run. But yeah, I'm excited to see this. I love Chiquetto's art. I love Chip Zdarsky's writing. So uh, what can go wrong? Next up, we have Avengers number 14, uh, written by Jason Aaron with art by David Marquez. Uh, this is kicking off a new arc uh, dealing with vampires and the newest uh, member of the Avengers is going to be Blade. So they said when they started this book that they were going to kind of have a core team, that being Cap, Black Panther, Iron Man, She-Hulk, uh, Captain Marvel, and Thor, and then kind of having a rotating member for that uh, seventh spot. Uh, for the first arc, it was um, Doctor Strange. It doesn't really say anything about Ghost Rider here, but um, I'm hoping that he's still part of it because I really enjoyed Robbie Reyes's uh, perspective on things from the first arc. Um, and it looks like this one is going to be Blade, so I'm excited to see this. I will jump into the synopsis now. The War of the Vampires begins. Transylvania is burning. As Vampire Civil War throws the world into chaos, the mysterious Shadow Colonel and his squad of undead revolutionaries have one burning question on their murderous minds. Where is Dracula? And if the Avengers find him first, will the Lord of the Damned be friend or foe? So yeah, I'm interested in this. Um, vampires in the Marvel Universe has always been a weird subject. Uh, recently, it's been getting a lot of press because they announced Jared Leto for a Morbius the Vampire movie. Random. But um, yeah, I'm interested in this. We're kind of starting the slow build to um, War of the Realms, which I'm really excited about. And it looks like this is kind of a pit stop on the way to get there. So definitely check this book out. Uh, another book that I'm really excited for this week is Batman number 64. Uh, this is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Gillam March and Chris Burnham. This is a Heroes in Tie-In 
Heroes and Tie-In. Heroes in Crisis Tie-In. Uh, this is a this is part of a crossover between Batman and the Flash. The last crossover, the button, I thought was really good, and it tied into the overall DC Rebirth story, which at this point is kind of like, what? Where are they going with it? Like, what's the deal? Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it, and this one is gonna be really good because both of them are intrinsically tied to the Heroes in Crisis uh, book. So I'm really interested to see what this crossover does. Uh, it seems like this is going to be kind of marching towards the, like, who is the killer at Sanctuary? The two best detectives in the DC Universe are going to try and figure that out. And uh, it looks like Tom King is taking a break for, I believe, this issue and then Batman number 65 as well because it's just like the button, two issues of Batman, two issues of Flash. So definitely check this out. Let's jump into the uh, synopsis here. The Last Cold Case, Part 1. The two greatest detectives in the DC Universe take on the one cold case that will tear them apart. As chief architect of the sanctuary program that costs so much for so many, especially Wally West, Batman will be held accountable by The Flash. A cold case from the Justice League's past has mysteriously reopened, and the Batman and the Flash, the only two heroes who stand a chance of cracking the case, are at each other's throats. Our heroes must combat a demon from the past while burying their own inner demons in the process, and neither the world's greatest detective nor the fastest man alive will ever be the same again. But who is really pulling the strings here, and how does Gotham Girl fit into all this? Friendship friendships will be tested and blood will be spilled in this titanic crossover event so yeah um gotham girl we've been at least i have been kind of waiting for uh when she would make another appearance because i really enjoyed uh what tom king was doing with her after he created her at the beginning of this batman run um i'm wondering if maybe gotham girl might be the one who was uh behind the murders at sanctuary though the uh, most recent heroes in crisis book cast down on that as well so um we'll just have to see we'll have to see what uh happens here i'm really interested in this whole last cold case uh idea like what was the last cold case that they were kind of stumped on i mean again this is batman and the flash so we will have to see what is uh what's going on Next up, we have Uncanny X-Men number 11, and I have to apologize to uh, some people who took me to task last week after uh, putting out the episode and going through this week's uh, comics countdown for, I guess, last week's comic countdown, where I didn't include Uncanny X-Men annual number one, and... Um, that's my bad, because that book featured the return of my favorite X-Man, Cyclops, uh, back into the main Marvel continuity following the uh, events of, um, I believe it was X-Men Disassembled or X-Men Decimation, something like that. Yes, X-Men Disassembled. So, um, yeah, basically all the X-Men are gone, and Cyclops is going to be tasked with bringing them back. So we'll go ahead and jump into the synopsis here. Uh, this book, of course, is written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Salvador LaRocca. Special Oversized Issue after the devastating events of X-Men Disassembled, it falls to Cyclops to rebuild the X-Men in the face of overwhelming hatred. 
Thankfully, he's not the only X-Man to have just returned from Oblivion. Scott and Logan are together again, and they are mutant kind's only hope. Writer Matthew Rosenberg and returning superstar ex-artist Salvador La Roca lead the X-Men into their darkest hour and beyond. So yeah, um, the cover is really cool. It's showing kind of uh, modern Cyclops trying to pick up the ashes, and then behind him is the classic like 92, or uh, I guess all of 90s X-Men team with most of their iconic 90s costumes. So we'll see. We've gotten uh, solicitations for future Uncanny X-Men issues that do show them uh, showing off their old school uh, 90s costumes. So we'll see where that goes. But I'm always interested in the interplay between Cyclops and Wolverine, and I'll be interested to see where they go now that they have to work together to bring everyone back. But my most anticipated book this week, the book I think you should definitely not miss, is Young Justice Number 2, written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Patrick Gleason. Uh, the first issue was fantastic. I loved it. I loved seeing all of these characters that I enjoy um, really getting to uh re-meet each other again as well as these new characters like jenny hex kid lant or teen lantern and uh it looks like we're going to be getting amethyst as well i'm really interested and i love the team of tim connor and bart so this is all thumbs up for me so we'll jump into the synopsis here the new teen super team unites as Robin, Tim Drake, Wonder Girl, Teen Lantern, and Ginny Hex join forces to help Amethyst free Gemworld from those who control it. In another section of the Strange Dimension, Connor Kent and Impulse find themselves taken captive. But if this is really Superboy, why isn't he putting up a fight with his friend and former teammate against the bad guys? So yeah, um, I'm interested to see how they explain why Connor's been in uh, Gemworld this whole time. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. The uh, end of the first issue revealed um, the team get basically, before they're really a team, getting sucked into Gemworld. And then Impulse finds a like weird, patchy, teen beard Connor Kent. Um, so yeah, I again, I love the first issue. I'm excited to see where this uh, second issue goes and where the series goes as a whole. So that is it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we have Young Justice number two, Daredevil number one, we have Batman number 64, Old Man Quill number one, Uncanny X-Men number 11, and Avengers number 14. And that is going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll be jumping right back into it uh, next week. I really appreciate everyone really uh, showing a lot of support for the podcast. Kingdom Hearts Month was a big month for us for this podcast. And I'm excited to see where the, uh, where the year takes us. I'm hoping to get some interviews in. Um, I've got a couple new segments uh, kind of on the chalkboard right now. I'm kind of working out the logistics for that. So look forward to that. I'm also looking into my next countdown, which it, I'm sure you can guess with uh, all the stuff that's coming out recently and will be coming out in the next couple months. I'll leave that little teaser for you and I'm sure I'll announce it soon. But for now, uh, we will see you uh, next week. Same geek time, same geek channel. And for Geek Explain, this is Eric Azana. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time. 